You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Here's your host, Tia McNelly. Welcome to season three, episode one of The Collected Podcast. As always, I am joined by our producer and co-host, Jess Biondo. Hi, Jess. Hello. It's so great to be back, and I'm so excited for season three, and especially to start off season three with such a great interview. But before I introduce our guest, I did want to remind our listeners that we're having a bonfire campaign right now. Tia, will you explain what bonfire is? Well, we love Bonfire because Bonfire is excellent for nonprofits because we don't have to put up capital for branded goods. So Bonfire will allow us to sell our merchandise without purchasing it ahead of time. And then, so we've opened campaigns for two weeks at a time, one week at a time. And at the end of the week, they print and ship to the buyer. So the merchandise does never have to go through us. It goes directly to you, the the buyer. And you get to sport your incredible, fresh, new collected gear. We have a bunch of sweatshirts and t-shirts. Um, there's a, Some of them are Charlotte-themed, for those of you who love or are from Charlotte. And um, others are just kind of the ideas surrounding collected, like walking in your true self or being well so that you can love well in Jesus' name. And we would love for you guys to support us with that. We have not been able to have events this year because of COVID. And so we we do need to generate some funds to make it to the end of 2020. So yeah, if you guys would be willing um, to go and check that out, the link is in the show notes. And we would love to have your support. Yeah, I ordered my Made in Charlotte um, yes. crew neck sweatshirt today. And I'm very yes. excited now that yes. the weather is getting a little cooler. Yeah. Uh, so let's dive into our interview. Today, we are so excited to welcome Tammy Garrett. And Tammy will tell you more about her story. But just to give you a little bit of background, she's the co-founder of Father's House Ghana, a community outreach center and home for children rescued from trafficking and exploitation in Ghana, West Africa. Um, and I cannot wait for her to share more about the heart behind the ministry and about her personal story. So Tammy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, before we um, talk more about Father's House Ghana, I was wondering if you could start by telling us a little bit about what led you to start it and give us a little more background on who you are and your personal story. Okay, well, um, first of all, it's a it's a lot of years in a in the story condensed to a little bit of time. So everything I say is going to sound like we just did it on our own. It's all God. Um, and so, yeah, I um, I grew up in church, was always a church girl. Um, when I was in about seventh grade, I felt like God was calling me to some type of missions, and I even felt my heart specifically drawn toward Africa. Um, but I didn't know what that was going to be like, obviously, at that point. Um, I did kind of always have a sense that it wasn't going to look like moving to another country and living there Full time or something like that. I just kind of had this, I don't know what this is going to be, but I'm open to whatever God has for me. And um, 
So yeah, fast forward, I married my husband, Matt, who grew up attending church, but not um, living his faith in the same way that I did. We'll just, we'll let his story be his story. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, so when I married him, he said, okay, yeah, I'll go to church with you if we can find a church we both agree on. Not ever going to be the, this is a huge part of my life kind of person, and I will definitely never go on a foreign missions trip. So, wow. Um, never. Yeah, Don't yeah. say never to God. That never no, goes well. <laughs> no. So God has a sense of humor, and He redeems all things. So, yeah. So I, um, over the years, just different things in life, I would think, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to have this life of being a missionary because of different choices that I had made. And I um, was a nurse. I was a pediatric nurse. So I would rationalize and tell myself, oh, well, Maybe being th- nursing is my mission. And then we had children and staying home with my children. I thought maybe that was my mission. Um, turns out that as, um, as I was doing all of those things, God was just preparing my heart and my life for what would ultimately um, turn into the Father's House Ghana, which is my wow. husband, Matt, who said he would never go on a foreign mission trip. He <laughs> and a friend met um, a pastor from Ghana when they were attending a conference, and they kept in touch with him, ended up feeling like God was drawing them to go visit him in Ghana, visited him and his family, and we spent the next few years just developing relationships with them, um, which we now know is, you know, the foundation of this of this ministry and, and the work that God had, in plan, you know, planned for us to do there all along. Um, so, yeah, that um, is kind of how it got started. At some point on one of those trips, uh, the friend who who Matt was traveling with, um, our partner, Jeff, he had a vision, actually saw a picture in front of him of like a house on the beach with school-age boys um, in front of it. And he came home and told, he Matt wasn't with him on that trip. He came home and told Matt, I think we're supposed to build an orphanage. Um, and whoa, that's how it started. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And also, whenever you're talking about Jeff Miller, who I know. And by the way, Tammy and I are great friends, so it's a pleasure to have her on the show. So much Um, fun, yes. But when Jeff Miller has a vision, watch out, because his visions have come around in my life quite a few times. So I'm still waiting to see what some of them mean, but I believe there's something to them. Yeah, that happens too. Like It's all in in God's timing. So after you had that vision, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, you didn't quite end up with an orphanage. Tell us what did happen. No. So we, um, well, we actually, you know, shared that vision with the pastor over there, Pastor David and his wife. And he said, okay, this sounds great. Um, I will start looking for land. And, you know, Jeff had seen this house on the ocean. And um, so Pastor David went, you know, was going to look for land for us. And we expected to be raising money for land. And what happened instead was he called us and said, a woman I don't know donated seven acres of land on the ocean to my church. Would that be enough for you to do this thing? And so <laughs> so we were, we had land that was given to us that then we started building. Again, we, we are not, none of us are wealthy people. We just, you know, this is literally one step at a time. Things just um, you know, taking one step of obedience and then God leading us to the next thing. Um, 
Wow. So people would just hear about the vision, just friends of ours, and would tell other people or donate money. And we started building something that we didn't even know really what it was going to be. Um, and we're almost finished with construction um, when we learned about um, child slavery on uh, a lake in, in Ghana that is, you know, several hours to the north of where the Father's House is located. We had been going there almost 10 years at that point and knew nothing about the child slavery issue there. And now we know that there are Estimates are different that you read online, but between 7,000 and 40,000 children are enslaved on this one lake in Ghana. Wow. Um, so we knew when we found that information that, you know, we had found, we had found our children. We had found um, the people who would, who would call the father's house home. That's incredible. Tell us a little bit about how these kids become enslaved and what you mean by on the lake, just for those okay. who may not know about child slavery in Ghana. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, th- they can end up there in a lot of different ways. There, Let me be real clear. There is child labor where mm-hmm. children work there with family members. Like their families might live in these um, villages around the lake, and they might be working there as a part of their family because of poverty and because that's what they need to do um, to help support their family. What we are talking about is something very different, which um, um, traffickers actually will will um, travel around the country and go to very impoverished areas and seek out mothers of, of young children who they know are in desperate situations. And in a lot of cases, they will tell them, hey, I would like to take this young boy of yours. This is predominantly boys who are trafficked there. Um this young boy and teach him a trade. And this money that I'm handing you right now is kind of a down payment and we will continue to send you money as he earns money in the fishing industry. That never happens. They, The trafficker then takes the child to a village um, on the banks of, of Lake Volta, which is one of the largest man-made lakes in the world. Um, mm. So the trafficker then takes the, the child there and basically hands them over to a... Um, like a fishing master who um, who has their services for a number of years, usually three years or so, and then the trafficker can actually come back and and reclaim that child and take them to someone else to work. Um, the children work wow. sixteen or more hours a day in deplorable conditions, and they are abused in every way that you can possibly imagine. Um, oh man! So I don't. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I just know that, I mean, it's one of those things that once, once you have your eyes opened to it, you, you can't ignore it anymore. No. You know, I think there's a, there's a a spotlight on sex trafficking right Right. now. Um, And I think people don't realize that human trafficking occurs all over the world, even in our own country every single day. And, um, Thank you so much for being obedient to the prompting to do something about it. Tell us what you did. Well, first of all, children who are trafficked for, um, not necessarily for the purpose of sex slavery, um, that is a part of of a lot of different things, a lot of different kinds of abuse. So just because someone is not um, trafficked for sex slavery, that doesn't mean that that's not a huge part of what they are experiencing. So sure, um, just sure. want to put that out there. Um, right. Uh, yeah. So, 
Sorry, what was your last question? What, so what did what did you guys decide oh, yeah, to do about yeah, it? Yeah. So we obviously completed um, the construction. And then in January of 2011, we went to Lake Volta and rescued our first eight residents of the father's house, who we affectionately wow. called the Great Eight. Um, they have been there. We're coming up on 10 years. I can't believe it. Wow. Um, yeah. So they... Um, Two of them, two of our boys had been um, previously rescued. They were no longer on the lake, but they were in like a temporary placement um, until we got there. And those were our first two. And then we um, were actually out on the lake and we saw, um, the, you know, the tiny children who were out in the boats with the fishing masters. And um, yeah, what, let, let me just clarify, like one of the most dangerous things is that because this is a man-made lake, there under, under the water are um, all the fallen, fallen trees. When they filled mm-hmm. up the, you know, the lake, it was just all the trees were still there. And so part of what makes it so dangerous for the children is that when they go out, they, they go out at night and they drop nets and then they come back early in the morning to pull the nets in and hopefully have fish inside them. Well, if the nets become entangled in the trees, then one of the children will have to dive down to to untangle the nets from from the trees. And there are times when the children get entangled in the nets in the trees themselves and they don't survive. Um, And the the older of the boys in the boat will then send another boy down to um, Mm -hmm. to help, you know, to try to get this net back because the sad truth is they can replace a child cheaper than they can replace their net. Wow. So God, that's sickening. the kind of decisions that these children are making because on each individual boat on the lake, which there are thousands and thousands of these boats, um, there is typically one very young child who is just scooping water because the boats are always leaking. They're just like hold out wooden canoes. Um, so there's one child who's constantly scooping water. There's one who's going down um, to try to, get the nets untangled. And then there is an older boy um, who is in charge of, of that particular boat. It's not, you know, it's not like an adult. It's maybe a young teenager. Mm. So, yeah. So we went and actually were there and worked with um, a Ghanaian um, abolitionist of sorts. He had been a school teacher who noticed that a lot of his boys were missing um, from classes, and he started noticing what was happening there and um, developed relationships with um, the village chiefs in these different little villages around the lake. And so working with them, we um, were able to go in and actually get six of the children directly from the lake. Wow. There. So you were in person with these children out on the lake and literally brought them home to safety. Yes. Like actually went and rescued these boys <laughs> off the lake. Yes. Which wow. is I remember the I remember this very clearly because yeah. we've been friends that long. Ten golly, that was 10 years ago. Right. And they have changed so much since that day. They're so there amazing. was no light in their eyes, and right. they are just the most beautiful, brilliant young men. They it's are. incredible. And they are they are big dreamers and they're mm-hmm. amazing. They're they're amazing young men who have Great plans for their future. Um, and they actually, when they first heard um, the story of Joseph in the Bible, they um, they immediately clung to the verse that says, um, what you meant for evil, God has used for good. 
Like they just pulled that out for their own, you know, for their own story. And we're like, you know what? We may have started there, but but we've been brought to this place now and God is going to do great things in our lives. So um, we know that as Americans, we we can't go there and end child slavery. This has been happening for, you know, generations and generations. Um, but before we even knew about child slavery there, our heart was to disciple young people. Um, and so they are the ones. This is not Americans coming there and trying to fix, a, you know, a problem that's been going on in their country for years. Right. They are being raised up and they have the heart um, to change what's happening in their own country and, and to help. Um, yeah, to help. That's so important. Change yeah. it forever. And it's so, so important yes. that it is driven by... Um, the local people and like you said, not Americans just Absolutely. coming in and trying to save the day. That's right. beautiful. I love it. That you found somebody who was already doing the work and came along and bolstered what they were yes, doing. I just absolutely. I absolutely love that sustainable model. Mm-hmm. So so now, 10 years later, things things have shifted from that that moment on mm-hmm. the lake with those mm-hmm. first eight kids. Where do things stand today? What's happening in Ghana? Now on that they are, land. well, yeah, those young men, some of them just finished up um, their secondary or their high school education. Um, we are committed to, you know, they're part of our family forever. So whatever they're doing in the future, whether that's, you know, trade school or going to university or whatever it is, um, then, you know, that is, we are here to support, um, you know, whatever that is. So um, we also are a um, shelter for social welfare services there. Um, place other children who have been rescued from other situations um, in our care. So um, while those first eight that we rescued from trafficking on the lake, we have taken in, you know, quite a few more over the years. Um, Currently, there are 13, I think, full-time in the house. Um, Some are transitioning to live independently. Um, We have 30, I think, um, neighborhood children um, who we support fully in their education. We have a um, seamstress apprenticeship program, which I, I love, love because this yes. this part, this this is one of my favorite things. <laughs> it's <laughs> all my favorite. Uh, but the seamstress apprentices um, are women who live in the community around the father's house. They're young ladies who, for whatever reason, because that area is extremely um, impoverished, impoverished also. And so we offer those young ladies Um, an opportunity to learn a trade. And as they do that, they sew uniforms for the school children who we sponsor. And one of the reasons why a lot of children there can't go to school is just because they don't have a uniform. So Mm -hmm. in doing that, Mm -hmm. we're teaching the young women a trade, which will keep them from having to sell their own children someday um, or turning to other things because of just desperation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they are... Um, doing things within their own community that's just, you know, creating a cycle that is a cycle of hope and prosperity yes. for, the, for the area. So, wow. That's, that's incredible, Tammy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. You guys, here's the thing about Tammy. She's so humble, <laughs> and she's going to hate me for saying this, <laughs> but she literally when we asked her to come on the show and to tell her story and to talk about the yes 
that she gave, not knowing what it would lead to, um, she sincerely couldn't think of what she might share. (laughs) That's how humble she is. And you just heard what she's done. And so, Tammy, I admire so deeply just your your quiet spirit and the way that you um, you don't boast about what you've done. All you boast about is what the Lord has done through you. And um, and I wonder through this story what the Lord has shown you. What what message has He given you? Oh wow, so many things. Um, I think. The main thing is just that every, everybody has a just. Like, like for me, I was just a mom who I was, I, I homeschooled my kids all the way through. And so the years of, that I spent teaching them things, um, God was preparing my heart for, for yeah. exactly what was coming. And whatever, whatever your just is that you feel like, Oh well, other people are doing something bigger than what I'm doing. Um, first of all, the Bible says, "Do not despise the place of small beginnings." Mm. Don't mm-hmm. despise where God has you, and that small place may be the place that you stay forever. But that word "despise," I looked it up one day because I thought I, I never hated where I was as being, you know, just a mom. Um, and that's what I think of as the definition of despise. But despise can also mean to overlook or to ignore. Mm. Whoa. Oh, wow. And so not to overlook the things that you're learning where you are or the opportunities that you have. I remember when my kids were little, I took them to um, the Billy Graham Library. And walking in the house that he was raised in, um, you know, again, my story is that I was just a mom. This is not everybody's story, but everybody has a thing. Um, and I remember of all the things that we saw that day, all the millions of people that I knew that he had touched, um, I walked into the house that he had grown up in, and I burst into tears when I looked at the kitchen sink because I pictured it was like God just showed me his mother standing inside that window looking out at, you know, her little boy and praying over him while he was playing in the yard. I don't know if that happened, but I have a feeling it might have. I know nothing about Billy Graham's mother, but I know (laughs) the heart of a mom to just go, wow, whatever you're doing in these kids, use me to pour into whatever they're going to need in their lives someday. And that's the same thing that Mm -hmm. I've kind of tried to do, not tried to, but that's what God has done through me. Um, mm-hmm. with the with the kids in Ghana. Um, yeah. And and the boys there who are young men now, I remember going when maybe three years after the rescue trip, and I was sitting on the beach with some of them one day. And, you know, there's sometimes there's like this year, 2020, there's been more than a year between my visits and I'm That's getting hard. a little anxious about that. Um, I feel you. <laughs> But at that point, there was probably a year since I had been there before. And um, I remember just talking to them about things that had, had happened in the past year. And I, and I just mentioned that sometimes when I'm in America, I wonder what they're doing. And maybe even if they remember this crazy lady who, you know, comes to visit sometimes or whatever. And <laughs> because Satan will do that. You know, the enemy will mess with you and tell you that, what you're doing doesn't matter, like whatever it is. And not that I'm trying to pat myself on the back about it or whatever, but um, 
one of them actually fell over in the sand laughing. <laughs> and I, I was like, what? why is that funny? That when I'm in America, I wonder, like, do they even remember me? Have they just moved on with life? And they're like, hey, glad glad you got us out of this that place and now, you know, on to whatever. And they were like, no, you're so, you're part of everything that we do. And we pray for Aww. you all the time. And I just think all of us are impacting so many more people than we realize in ways that mm -hmm. we may never, ever know. Um, That's so true. Just don't overlook all the people that God puts in your life. So as you've been continually saying yes to God and moving forward and your story, he's taken you to places you never anticipated to go. You know, you, you said in the beginning that you always pictured yourself being connected to Africa, but I'm sure it didn't look how it does now. Um, so I, my question is, what are some things that you have had to sacrifice along the way to continue to give God your yes, even when you don't know what's ahead of yeah, you? Yeah, I think, um, well, even even just staying home with my kids, like, I mean, everything you say yes to is a no to everything else. True. You know, I mean, that's just mm. just the way life is. Um, and I, I always thought as a nurse that, you know, I would have my kids and once they would get to you know, school age, I would go back to work or I would be that mom who would be going to lunch with friends and, you know, doing whatever. And then God said, homeschool your kids, which, by the way. What people are doing in 2020 is not what I did for, for 15 years. I have so much just respect and love and all the grace for all that people are having to do this year because I was not trying to do what a school system told me to do in my house. I was free to follow what God told me to do and True. make a lot of our own decisions for that. So just want to say that. Hats yeah. off to everyone homeschooling for the first time in 2020. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. When they didn't so ask for it or choose it. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Not be, and that's what I said. Even when I was homeschooling my kids, I can remember telling people, like, I can't talk you into doing this. I'm only doing it because God told me to. <laughs> right. And I would be out if he told me not to. So, yeah, because without yeah. him, yeah, that is not, it's not an easy thing. I will say this. One of the things that I remember, I don't remember someone who told me I would quote them if I did. Um, but in everything you do, teaching your kids or just in life in general, um, at all costs, preserve the relationship. Whether or mm. not they learn the math problem, the relationship comes first. But that's a very, that's good. That's very much a side trail. Um, no, that is good advice. And I think that <laughs> translates to everything, not even just educating your kids. That, that translates yeah. to every relationship that we're in that translates to ministry to work um that's good advice you've got no the rest what. of your life to work out all those little details whether it's teaching your child math or whatever it is don't mess up the you know the relationship you have with the people that you care about that's um, awesome and that and that's coming from someone who cried with my child over trying to learn phonics so that's not because i always <laughs> did it <laughs> did it correctly um, but wow. yeah, so we, you know, giving up things like having a bigger house. We've lived in our starter house for 26 years now because I didn't go back to work and continue making money. I, you know, was staying home and homeschooling the kids and then trips to Africa aren't free. 
So, right. you know, those choices were made. Or cheap. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the things that you give up are so small and, you know, like – I remember like actually praying about that one time because I did want a new house. And I remember hearing God say, and just so we're clear, this is like my own thoughts, but not anything I would have thought of on my own. Um, But it's like, God just said to me, at what cost? Like, Mm. what do you want to give up that you're currently doing in order to have that new house? And I didn't want, like, I wouldn't Mm. choose to, not go to Ghana. I wouldn't choose to not stay home with my children. Um, right. So, so you know, everything has a sacrifice, but it's worth it if you're sacrificing for things that God has put on your heart. Yeah. Wow. So when it comes to just kind of as we wrap up, what encouragement would you have for someone who is struggling to believe? Like, where do you struggle to believe? And what encouragement would you give someone who's in that place? You know, my life verse forever has been um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Right? Sounds great. I've always thought more of the Lean not on your own understanding part because I know myself and there's a whole lot I don't understand. So to acknowledge that there's a God who knows a lot more than I do, that's not hard, right? And I can even go, okay, well, I can trust you and step in what you, I feel like you're telling me to do. But over and over in life, I felt like God has said, do you trust me? Like that's Mm. the first word, trust in the Lord. March, when COVID hit, I forgot every scripture I've ever known other than that. I was like a crazy person (laughs) because I was so full of fear. And Mm. over and over, I would hear in my mind, do you trust me? Like, Mm. what are you feeding? Everything you're taking in is either feeding fear or faith. So watch very Mm. carefully what you're putting in. Because... You know, if it's media, even social media, be careful of what's going in because you're feeding something. And I just had to be very careful not to feed fear that was that I didn't even know I had. Right. Um, And a lot of it was just, you know, we're all still walking through it. Fear of the unknown. Um, Yeah. I don't know when I'm going to get to Ghana again. I miss them terribly. I don't know when we're going to be able to do a lot of things. Like I said, you know. January is the 10-year anniversary, and we had big plans to be there, you know, to celebrate with the boys. And I don't know now if that's going to happen. Um, yeah. But, yeah, mm-hmm. just to keep trusting him because he's not – he doesn't tell us to trust him just for the fun of seeing what happens if we do or we don't. He tr- tells us that because he is trustworthy. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, he's not going to lead us astray. Yeah. And he has our best interest in mind. Absolutely. Always. And we don't even know what that is. Yeah. Like Tia said <laughs> earlier, I I mean, I I might have pictured myself in Africa, but I certainly didn't picture myself going from being a stay-at-home mom to sitting in a boat rescuing children from child slavery. So that's right. you know, God God knows so much more than we do. And so, so we can trust what he is leading us through in the process to get there because we don't know mm-hmm. what he's even preparing us for. Right. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it strikes me as you say that, that at collected events, we like to encourage people to take creative risks because we believe that the more we take safe, healthy risks, the more ready we will be to obey when God asks us to do risky things. It's almost like building a risk tolerance. And I think about how very incredibly dangerous it was for you to go out on that boat and how many steps God took you through asking for your yes, asking for you to trust Him little by little. I mean, just the choice to educate your children at home. That was a risky choice. You didn't know how that was going to turn out. You didn't know how how the kids were going to adapt to that. Um choosing to to stop your work as a nurse. Like there have been so many risks that you've taken along the way that led you to this big act, one moment in your life, this big act of obedience that is literally shifting a generation and a country on the other side of the world. And that's kind of amazing. And so friends, as we wrap up today, I want to encourage you to follow Tammy's lead and say yes, even when it feels scary, when you know that the Lord is prompting you Give your yes, obey, and see what happens because he is, he does have our best interest in mind and he is trustworthy. So, man, Tammy, thank you so much for your yes to come on this show because I know this felt risky to you. <laughs> Very. <laughs> Thank well, you has, so much for having me. It has been amazing to chat with you. And uh, we can't wait to see what's next for Father's House. And we will link to that in all the places so everybody can learn more and get connected and hopefully become a partner because that's yeah, we're actually we're also building a um, community center and health clinic right next door now too wow. so so there's a lot going on there that a lot more than than I yeah you, but yeah yeah well please guys go check out their website give get involved educate yourselves you won't regret it thanks thank so, you much, so Tammy. much thank you What an awesome interview with Tammy. She has such a heart for the Lord, and I'm inspired by her for a couple reasons. I mean, she's awesome, but also I, from a young age, felt very pulled to Africa, and I never knew what that would look like. But now I'm living in the United States, and I'm a teacher, and I have an established life here, and I feel like God is using me here. But I always have wondered, did I, did I miss something? Like, is this where I'm supposed to be? Or was there something else elsewhere that I was supposed to say yes to? But in hearing Tammy's story, it was that reminder of God can use you wherever you are, and He's always getting you to the next place. Like this isn't the end of our stories when we find ourselves in one season or another. And what she was Mm. saying about the just, Mm. I so often, when people ask me what I do, I say, I'm just a teacher. And I had someone call me out recently and be like, why did you say just? Being a yeah. teacher is important and what you do is valuable. And I was like, oh, I, I know, I know. I didn't mean it like that. And she's like, then don't say it like that. Amen. Because <laughs> um, you're like a superhero these days. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so as Tammy was saying that, I was reminded in my own life how I downplay things but things that God has given me and is using me in. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember, like we talked about 
in last week's or two weeks ago in our episode about claiming your place at the table, you know, believing you belong, believing that you are who God says you are and that it's not something that's adjust. Like, right. It's a huge honor. Even if it feels small to us some days, it's not small. Mm -hmm. Um, And God is using it for the good of his kingdom, for his glory, uh, for our good. And so that was just a very important reminder uh, for me. Yeah. It's, you know, it makes, I get this picture with you saying that of like, (laughs) it's not as if God was like, just spending all this time creating Jess. And then he goes, it's just Jess. (laughs) No biggie. Like, look at Jess. Jess. Look Uh what I did. Isn't it incredible? You know? So yeah, we need to kind of, this phrase might be overused, but kind of own our awesome because the Lord did create us to walk in, in, in awe of him and in, in awesomeness for his glory. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I agree. That's incredible. That's a great parallel, Jess. Thanks. Friends, thank you so much for listening this week. We are so blessed that you are part of this community. We are grateful for you. We're moving into the month of November, a season of gratitude. And we really want to set our hearts on giving thanks to the Lord for the things that He's done in our life, mm-hmm. for Christ Himself and His sacrifice on our behalf. And um, we want you to know how grateful we are for you just for the simple fact of listening, you give us a ministry. So we appreciate the fact that you tune in every other week and listen to what the Lord is doing. And um, yeah, so thank you. That's what we want to say to you today. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you in two weeks. Yes. See you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as a dollar a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, giveaways, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.